0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at Bethelcov.org. Thanks for listening. How are you guys doing this morning? Well, it's good to good to see you. It's good to be with you. It's a as always an honor and a privilege to uh, to share this pulpit. Um with you and to be able to bring with you, or uh, bring to you, uh, God's Word, rather. Um, I'd invite you to turn uh, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 18 through 27. But before we dive in uh, to the text this morning, uh, why don't you pray with me? oh Lord, thank you for gathering us here today. I'd ask that you grant us the humility to hear what we need to hear and not just what we would like to hear. I'd ask that you would help us to sit under your word and be transformed by it, rather than stand above it, God, and render judgment. Your word is timeless, so your truth, God, is always timely. Change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, like I said, our passage today is going to be Luke 18, verses 18 through 27. That's page 1016 in your pew Bible, if you uh, aren't there. Uh, And as you turn there or you swipe there in your app, uh, I want to share with you uh, this quote. So A.W. Tozer, he was a 20th century pastor and author. He wrote the following in his 1960 work, uh, his book called The Knowledge of the Holy. He says this, What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I'll repeat that. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This is perhaps Tozer's most famous quote, and if you've listened to enough sermons, it's possible that you have come across it at some point, but it's uh, it's ubiquity. However, it doesn't rob it. It doesn't rob it of its significance, does it? You know, could that really be true? Could the most important thing about you, about us, about me, be what I think about when God crosses my mind? Maybe we ask some of the following things, right? Do I do I question His existence? Is He near? Is He far? Is he good? Is he evil? Is he just kind of indifferent? Right? Does he speak? Does he listen? Can I know him? Does he? Does he know me? The thoughts of man towards God, they're certainly uh, innumerable, but suffice it to say that you could make the case that all of the imperfect thoughts, they may, they mo- they may boil down to this, right? That you, that me, that us were inclined to think, That the life we live and the things that we do are sufficient to meet what God expects of us. That our natural, uh, our our proclivity, our our default mode is kind of to bank on ourselves, right? And to believe that deep down that we have what it takes to be okay, to be right with God. So today we're going to read about a young man, a young ruler, who thought this very same thing. Right, the book we talked about last week, Ecclesiastes, says there's nothing new under the sun, right? This is not the first time someone thought of this, I I guarantee it. He asks an ancient question, and he receives a timeless answer. So let's go. Luke 18, we're going to read the passage in its entirety today. Verses 18 through 27. A certain ruler asked him, that is Jesus... Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very, very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. What's impossible with man is possible with God. See, our passage, it ends with a a burst of hope delivered from Jesus. But as we have read the journey that, that brings us to that hope, it's not without heartache, it's not without remorse, right? What's our question? What's our ancient question, church? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Maybe framed in a different way. Good teacher, what must I do to be right with God? What must I do to be favorable in your sight? See, that's the question that we're examining today, and and by no means is it a small one. It is perhaps maybe the essential question of humanity, right? What must I do? What must we do? What actions, what steps, what requirements, what checklist must we fulfill to make ourselves worthy of God's acceptance? As we continue on in the passage, uh, we see something that I think is very interesting, and it's almost kind of funny on behalf of Jesus. Uh, it's not really "ha, ha, you know, LOL, kind of funny, uh, but more like, if I don't laugh, I'll cry." Kind of funny. Uh, I've been there before. Uh, Jesus calls to the carpet, He calls to the carpet, our innate human desire to perform and to gain favor from God. And in his, his own way, he kind of lets the rich young ruler, he kind of lets him think that what he's done. And what he's doing is sufficient to please God, right? It's a little humorous in that Jesus, he kind of, he kind of itches this young ruler's ear a bit. And, and all the while, he's almost kind of laying leaves and sticks on top of a giant hole in front of this guy, right? Um, verse 20, Jesus goes on to basically say, if you, if you have your, your scripture open in verse 20, he says, you know the commandments. You, you, know, you know what to do. Don't cheat on your wife don't kill anyone uh, don't steal anything don't lie about anybody show respect show respect to your mom and dad for those of you who may be familiar with scripture maybe some of you aren't but uh, but, but if you are what's, what's Jesus referencing here? yeah the ten commandments right? but but not all of them right? does he list all of them? alright we're going to come back to that awesome Good news for me, says the young ruler, right? I've kept all these since I was a boy and it looks like I just punched my lottery ticket, right? (laughs) I'm in, I did it, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, I can maybe picture like Gatorade being dumped on his head or something, you know, for the victory. Or what would the first century equivalent be? Olive oil, maybe? Just a big vat of olive oil in celebration over this dude's head. And it is a celebration, right? Human effort, his efforts have triumphed. God has no choice but to relent and accept what he's done, right? Accept what we've done. But you still lack one thing, Jesus says. Hush. (laughs) Maybe the hugging has stopped. Maybe the confetti has finally settled to the ground, right? The young ruler looks at Jesus, maybe uh, confused, maybe puzzled. And what does he say? Sell everything you have. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, then follow me. Right? I can hear it now. The silence would be deafening, right? Silence, devastation, heartbreak, bitterness. And the guy, he just could not, he could not hide it from his face, right? Right? If this happened today, uh, we might say this guy got triggered. He got triggered real bad, real bad by Jesus, right? His, his wealth, his accomplishments, they're rendered absolutely worthless and useless, right? His identity cut off at the knees. And, and I love this as we go, I love this, that, that Jesus, he's just, re- he's just relentless. He's just relentless. Not only can the guy, he can't hide the sadness from his face, but Jesus calls him out on it, right? Verse 24. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Kind of a weird thing to say, right? Jesus kind of, hes went all in on that one. I can, I can maybe picture the crowd going like if someone had a sewing needle, like seeing, a, you know, I see like a Buick out there, maybe they looked at the camel, and they had like a needle kind of trying to like, you know, maybe if I turn it sideways, you know, maybe if I go in from the bottom or to the top, maybe I can get that camel through there, right? Maybe if, I, maybe if I heat it, maybe I stretch it up, maybe I put the camel's uh, tail through first, maybe I can get it through there, right? And Jesus says, yeah, right, you're getting it. It's not going to happen. It's, it's, it's impossible. The math, it's not going to work. The dimensions aren't adding up on that one, right? What's impossible with man, what's impossible with man, is possible with God. A quick question, true or false? This story talks about wealth and riches. True or false? It's not a trick question, I promise you that. True or false this story talks about wealth and, and riches. True, right? True. And I want to honor this te- I want to honor the text. I want to honor this text and I, and I want to speak to two things that I think that I think are going on here. One, I want to speak to what I believe to be the plain meaning of scripture and two I want to speak to what I believe Jesus is confirming about the nature of God and our relationship to him. Number one, as the text shows us and Jesus says explicitly that there's, there's something about wealth, there's something about earthly treasure that tempts us and draws us away from right relationship and right standing with God, sometimes more than any other thing, right? If you are familiar with Scripture, Paul in his letter to Timothy, I believe it's in chapter, chapter 6, I believe, he says that wealth is the root, or money is the root of all kinds of evil. That it has this, this hypnotic, this sinister pull that draws our eyes away from heavenly treasure, right? And focuses it on our, on our tangible, our earthly possessions. It takes our eyes away from what we have stored in heaven and puts our eyes on what we have here on earth, right? Right? And Jesus even says this in so many words, right? (laughs) You know, it's easier for your Honda Civic to fit in your fridge than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. This passage definitely speaks about wealth, speaks about money, speaks about the power that it has to turn our eyes away from him and turn our eyes to earthly treasure and possessions. But what else is happening here, right? Is Jesus just picking on this guy and his wealth? Maybe. Maybe he is. But I don't don't think it's just that. I don't think it's an either-or situation. I think it's more of a both-and kind of situation here. Remember this church. Jesus, he references the Ten Commandments, right, to the young ruler. You remember that? But not, he doesn't mention all of them. He doesn't mention all of them. So what's missing, right? What's missing? What's missing are the first two commandments and the last one, the last commandment. Commandment one, you should have no other gods before me. You should not, number two, commandment two, you should not worship idols. Commandment 10, you should not covet. You see, coveting, and this attachment to wealth, this attachment to human accomplishment, that's the fruit, but idolatry is the root. I'm going to say that again. Coveting, that is wanting what you, what you don't have, and attachment to wealth and human accomplishment. See, those things are the fruits, but idolatry is at the root. See, the young ruler, he thought he had what it took to be made right with God. And apparently so did everyone else, right? <laughs> I love this. Verse 26. Um, th- those who heard this asked, who then, who then can be saved? Right? Who's got a better resume than this guy? Right? He's kept the commandments. He's wealthy, which may be you know, a sign of favor from God. Right? He's the best among us. His LinkedIn resume is stacked to the brim, right? He's the best we have. He's the best among us. Who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? What is impossible with man is possible with God. Remember that, church. One thing you lack, says Jesus, right? You love your gifts, but you don't love me. You love the law, but not the lawgiver. You worship the blessing, not the one who blesses. Right? You bend the knee. You bend the knee to creation, not to the creator. It's idolatry, right? At the root of it, taking a good thing taking a good thing, turning it inside out, making it a God thing. You see, the young ruler, he thought he was justified, right? He thought he was made right with God by obeying the commandments. But in reality, he, like so many of us, he turned that blessing, he turned that good thing, he turned that good thing into a God thing. At the root it's idolatry. It's not having Jesus, not having God at the center of our lives, right? But me, you, us, right? We're, uh, we're no different, right? <laughs> it's easy to read scripture and to, to pass judgment. But who among us is different, right? How many of you would like your worst day recorded for human history? How'd that look? How would you feel about that? Would you look good? Bad? Hide your face from what it said. Right? Who among us is different? Who among us, if left to our own devices, right, would, as, as the great theologian John Calvin, he said, how many of us would substitute vanity and an empty phantom, an empty phantom in the place of God, right? Who among us is different? I know, uh, you know, KTIS is uplifting and encouraging. Yay. And uh, we'll get there. I know, we're not there quite yet, but we're getting there. Here's the truth, as this young ruler found out and that we see in Scripture today, that we just don't quite have what it takes on our own. That we bet, we bet on ourselves and we come up empty Every single time, right? And how many of you, how many of us have been on that road before, right? Pride. I did it. This guy. I kept the commandment since I was a boy. I did all these things. Pride. Despair. I could never, ever do that. I can't live one hour let alone one life without falling short. Pride, I did it. Despair, I could never do this. But you see, grace, it walks right in the middle. You see, Jesus, he comes to us, not with an accusation, but with an invitation. That what's impossible with man is possible with God. That we would put our hope, that we put our trust, that we put our faith in Jesus. For there's no other name by which we can be saved. Amen? Not your name, not my name, not our name. No other name but Jesus alone. You see, in Jesus, there is peace for you. No more pride, no more despair. Grace. Grace. In Jesus, there is joy for you. There's joy for me. And in Jesus, there's salvation for you, there's salvation for me, there's salvation for us. Freedom from sin, freedom from pride and despair. And the efforts that we go through and we take to make ourselves on our own right with God, right? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. I love this passage. I love it. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer, church reformer, theologian. Martin Luther, he called this passage, he called it the great exchange. That God made him, that is Jesus, right? Who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's so good. I'm going to read it again. God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we prepare for communion, we do remember the shed blood of Jesus poured out for us. We remember the bruised blood The beaten, the broken body of Christ. Indeed, while we were still sinners, right, as Scripture says, his body broken for us. We remember that apart from the saving work of Jesus, that we be ruled by the tyranny and the, the folly of our sin. We remember that left on our own, left on our own, apart from the saving work of Jesus that we'd be but orphan children, right? And we remember that once we weren't, we weren't a people, but as his word says that now we're the people of God. We remember that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.